Welcome back. It is so great to be back with our audience to the Game Changer with Norris and Julie. I'm Julie Baron Wells, and I'm here with my trusted partner, Norris. How are you doing, Norris? I'm doing well. A little scatterbrain today, <laughs> but uh, I am here looking forward to hearing a great story from Ken on how God has worked in his life. And we, in the brief times I've talked to Ken, it's no doubt that we see God's sovereignty in his life. It's just amazing. And I'm so excited. I've been telling you for a long time that wanted to get Ken DeConing on our show because his story, he reaches hundreds of thousands of people through his own ministries and through his amazing life. But we wanted to get him on the show just to see what else God would do with his message and his amazing life story. And uh, with no other um, or, or as Norris likes to say, uh, what is it you say about further ado? <laughs> no further yes. ado. With no further ado, we want to let you talk to Ken DeConey and let him tell you how God is sovereign in the many game changers that he's had in his life, all to advance the kingdom of God. So Ken, again, thank you for coming on the show this afternoon for game changers, because I know that God is still using you to be a game changer wherever you're at. So please uh, bless us today with your stories. Well, by, by his grace, you know, by his grace, God is, is using us. And so there is many things that we can talk about. And I don't know exactly in what direction you want to go at first and, 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 and so on and so forth. Well, well I want the way, well, uh, you go. Well, the first, I want people to know in the direction where you grew up. Yes. And how you started playing well, tennis in South America. Okay. Okay. So I grew up in a country called Suriname, S-U-R-I-N-A-M. And we say, we put an E at the end of it. In English, they leave the E off mm -hmm. many times. And so when I was about 12 years old or so, we moved from one direction of town to another that, uh, place, location in, in town. And we joined, uh, you know, there, there were small clubs over there. The first club we, we had was a swim club. And then when we moved, we joined a swim slash tennis club. And no big deal because we, you know, we were a small country with small facilities. And so this uh, swim slash tennis club had two tennis courts. My mom took me on the bike. We, we rode the bike to the club to see what club we had joined. As we walk inside the, the gate, I'm looking to my right and I see two tennis courts and people playing tennis. And I told my mom I'd like to play tennis. And wow. we stop right there. So now yes. understand. So what in year, your what year is this? Yeah, what Ooh, year is this? What year is this? I mean, ballpark. Uh, we're going way back. So uh, 74, I was 13. Uh, this is okay, in the late I, I 50s. Go backwards. I was four, uh, born in 47, 13. So that is uh, uh, 1960. So. All right. Uh, so my question is this. In your small country, how many people play tennis compared to football? Well, of course, Soccer. football, uh, just 
football. Soccer. 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 But for our international, I don't want to insult our international crowd. <laughs> Thank you. Thank That's you. Right. Thank for you. all of our international <laughs> listeners. In America, we say soccer. The rest of the world, we say football. Right. So football by a mile was the most popular sport. And then in those days, it was followed by basketball and tennis almost simultaneously because hmm. tennis in those days was so incredibly popular. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to play. My mom says, no, you, you know, there's an expression literally translated goes like you have 12 professions and 13 accidents. In other words, <laughs> I wasn't doing anything right. uh, with all the opportunities that I, I had had by playing violin and being in the Boy mm-hmm. Scouts and so on and so forth. So she said no initially. And then the club had a summer tournament with a, a junior tournament with the, the, the best juniors on top. And then you know, just cascading down to the, the weaker. So they needed a, a beginner. Well, I had never played before. And so they're looking for a beginner. So this was my excuse to go to my mom and say, hey, mom, they, they need a beginner to play. Can, can I know? So she has, she had, she joined the tennis part of the, of the club. And then I played my first match. The first time I touched the tennis racket. Wow. So... And I played a guy who had been playing for five, for about six months and, and I beat him. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, people tagged me with talent and these type of things. And I was inspired by it. And I played a lot of tennis. I loved it. And you know, wow. when you do something a lot, you, you just automatically get pretty good at it. So, and, and, and anyways. Uh, well, I always tell I people that was the very first game changer in your life because living in a small country like that when you know where soccer or slash football is the favorite sport especially in south america and i can imagine about that time pele was probably pretty big but oh, here oh, you oh, are. He, he was they call him el rey the king el pele what do <laughs> <laughs> they call him el rey pele the king pele the king and, he was and so, the king of soccer the i king mean of he soccer, was unbelievable yes and you pick up a tennis racket and God begins to use those talents, this tennis that your mom didn't want you to play. Yes. They were missing a player. You're a beginner. Changes your whole life. And all of a sudden, you're playing tennis. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I after high school, I went to, to the Netherlands, became part of a, a, a Davis Cup team. Uh, I played in the top over there, uh, realizing I was not going to make it uh, win Wimbledon. Then I started looking at other options. And I knew that in America, when you are good in athletics, academic doors open up for you in the way mm-hmm. of scholarships and these type of things. You like you well know, uh, Norris, right? Yes. And, and so I got a scholarship to what is what then was called the University of Corpus Christi. All right, now stop uh, for now. How did yes. they find you? <laughs> when I was 15 years old, I played against a guy named Humphrey Jose as Suriname was playing against the Dutch Antilles. Mm-hmm. He was, we were both about 15 years old or so. Mm-hmm. And he played number one for the Dutch Antilles. I played number two for Suriname. Mm-hmm. And we, we had a friendship that was just, just hit fire. We just, we just bonded, we just connected. Yes. And we have been friends ever since. I mean, he has for the last, I don't know how many years, 
on July 4th, which is my birthday, never fails to call me. Never. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> never. never. And the reason why I want people to, the reason why I asked you, how did you get to America? Because another game changer, because you're coming from a small country in South America, yes. but you not only go to this school, but the coach that begins to coach you is a Christian. He is a Christian. That, that, that takes me to a huge game changer because um, on these long trips in the station wagon, the other guys were either listening to music over their head, headphones and so on and so forth. And but my coach being a Christian, I had a million questions for him concerning Christianity. And then little by little, the Lord uh, 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 got into my, into my spirit and, and convinced me that what the Bible is saying about Jesus is true. And so I was a hard nut to crack because I wasn't going to believe something just because somebody else said it or somebody else tried to convince me or even an example of me. No, I was, I've always been a little bit strange that way. Uh, I, I make up my own mind, so to speak. Right. Uh, and so that when I, when I decided for Jesus, my brother and sister, uh, he saved me big time. So, and, how old are you when you start college? I, I was, when I was started college, I was uh, probably, let's see here, I was probably 21 or 22. All right, so 21 or 22, and this, this gentleman that you play in this tournament age 15, he has the influence to have you come to the school in Corpus. So, yes. So, in other words, I played, I played him when I was 15 years old, and then later, when I had played in the Netherlands mm -hmm. and had come, I was on my way, I, I went back to Suriname because I had the second, the first year I had done so well that I was invited to the Davis Cup team. The second year I lost in the first round, which was a disappointment. Mm -hmm. So then I decided I'm not going to win Wimbledon. I'm going home. Right. My dad was good enough to buy me a ticket. And that Christmas we were invited. I was, the Dutch champion had come to Suriname where we played some matches. And he and I had been invited to go play in the Dutch Antilles in Curaçao in specific to play against Humphrey and another uh, Curaçao uh, uh, champion, Oscar Salas. So we went and played. Remember, I had already known Humphrey since I was 15 years old. Yes. And we had been good friends. And so I asked him half jokingly, half serious, do you all, do you all need a player? Uh, mm -hmm. I'm interested in coming to play. And he mm -hmm. says, yes. And he called, his, he called the coach. And within two weeks, this couldn't happen now anymore because there's way too much paperwork and these type of things. But within two weeks, I had late registration at the University of Corpus Christi, here in Corpus Christi, and never left Corpus Christi. So, what, what, so game changer, game changer, all right. It is, but but don't don't co don't just glaze over that whole Davis Cup stuff. I mean, that's huge. That was a big well, deal. See, this is why I tell people that. When God makes you different, accept your difference. Don't try to be like everybody else. Don't try to, I've never been want to be a blender person. You know, just, yeah. and everybody's the same. No. Do that sound I, again. I, I, I accepted my difference as a gift from God. So, and me being uh, dark skinned, half, you know, half black, half white, 50-50, whatever you want to call it. Um, then I was the dark skinned guy with kinky hair. Yeah. among white guys with straight hair uh, on the Davis Cup team. So <laughs> believe it or not, in the Dutch newspaper, many times my picture would appear. 
And in those days, in those days, remember, I was not a Christian yet. And then, you know, the girls had a, a good eye for me also because I was different. <laughs> <laughs> the so, girls had a good eye for me. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so, so I, I tell people, accept your difference because that's how you stand out. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. not, not by blending in with everybody. Don't want to be like, so that's just my opinion. Everybody can have their, their own opinion. And, and so it, it's been very beneficial. Uh, it, it, it opened all kinds of doors. Mm -hmm. you, you have on your resume that you were part of the Davis Cup team of for the Netherlands and so on and so forth. And later on, I was fortunate enough to also coach Davis Cup a little bit. Mm -hmm. for this wow. very same guy, Humphrey Jose, who then played for Venezuela and Venezuela playing against the United States. Um, he asked me, he asked actually the, the, the Tennis Federation of Venezuela if I could be coaching him personally. Mm -hmm. And so uh, just, 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 just wonderful. Oh yeah, we, we didn't even get to talk very long at all the other day about all the people you've coached. Um, yes. There's, there's so many game changers there. That, um, yes. So, well, anyway, we get we get back to you starting out in Corpus Christi and getting, yes. um, and that's where you met Sybil. That's where I met Sybil. So we yeah. got that's, 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 here. that's a game changer for you right there. It is, but I want people to realize how far is the University of Corpus Christi from where you were living, and then you just all of a sudden just are just there again. Yeah. So, that just doesn't happen. There's no coincidences. That's a game changer because it really set the direction and where you were going to go. Now, not only rest your life, but where you met your wife and Big just time. so much. Mm -hmm. And I Big wish time. I could Google and see how far that distance is because I'm sure all your life you, you were growing up. I'm going to grow up and go live in Corpus Christi. You probably didn't know where that was. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. So it was a, a, a full day travel that you left early in the morning from uh, Suriname, uh, Paramaribo, actually, Sandere is the, is the airport. And then, you know, you go, I don't know, I forget now how exactly I traveled, but you might go to uh, uh, Venezuela, you might go to the Dutch Antilles, then you go to Miami, then you land in Houston, and then you land in Corpus Christi. So a whole day travel. Wow. And so, yeah, that, that's that's how it was. And it, it talking about a, ga a game changer, that is the biggest game, game changer, period. Because that set the course of not only my future as a tennis professional coaching tennis, but also my future as my wife and therefore my children and the place where I was going to raise the children, the place in where I was going to go to church and minister for a large part, and then ultimately also ministering internationally uh, in different countries. So when you're playing the Davis Cup team and you don't, you, you realize you're not going to make it to Wilmington, well, yeah. uh -huh. were you discouraged, upset? I mean, obviously you still wanted to play tennis. I, I, I was not discouraged realizing that I was not going to win Wimbledon. It just, uh, in a very somber, sober manner, I realized, okay, I need to change course. But the thing that I was disappointed about that, that discouraged me a little bit was that the first year playing in the Netherlands, I had gotten to the quarterfinals of the national championships. And then the second year I lost in the first round. That was a little bit discouraging, but I must say that loss 
uh, as discouraging as it was, made me a better coach. So I had much more compassion and understanding about players because if you coach, you're gonna have plenty of players that lose, uh, not all the time, but plenty of players that lose matches that you need to still be able to not only encourage and get them back on track, but that you also ultimately need to plant a seed for Jesus in their hearts. Yes. So again, I'm going to count that as a game changer because if you are, if you win this Davis Cup, you're not coming to Corpus Christi at all. Well, you're, you're in right, London. Right, right. So, so that was the national championships. Tennis. That was the national championships. If 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 you win that, I, I'm I'm staying put, and right. I still was not gonna, not going to win Wimbledon, and then. I, I would have missed out on my education mm-hmm. in America. And whew, who knows the opportunity, although, you know, uh, uh, Holland is a Christian nation and um, uh, the, the, there's, uh, the gospel is really uh, spreading out these days in the Netherlands quite, quite uh, rapidly. But um, in those days, I, I, I wasn't around Christian people very, very much as far as outspoken Christian people that I even would have the opportunity to somebody to tell me um, how to have a relationship with my Heavenly Father. Well, I, I did go ahead and Google it just so Norris wouldn't be worried about it. But it yeah. is 3,137 miles from Corpus Christi to the country of Suriname. And that's 2,725 nautical miles. I, I have no idea what the difference is, but it's an 18 and a half hour flight. And that's with three of your bags being lost. <laughs> well, and that's the that last part of the truth. But Southwest, Southwest does not fly there yet. So bags are, <laughs> bags could get lost. And that's what I want people to realize that there's no coincidences that God was orchestrating this whole entire thing for him to come that far. And now you are on campus. Yes. And take it from there. You're in America now. You're in Texas, University of Corpus. Can I step back just a little bit? Because I've I've always wondered why I lost in the first round. Mm. And I believe that God planned it that way. He He had bigger plans for me than winning the national championships in the Netherlands. He had bigger plans for me and a different course for my life. And not till I came to know him and, and asking the question, was it revealed to me that, oh, no, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's why I lost in the first round. And that's part of my testimony also to say that if somebody has a, a big disappointment, that they don't come to a place of despair, but that they're asking themselves the question, what does God have in this thing for me? Mm-hmm. What is God doing with this thing in my life? Uh, because certainly he, he, he's not punishing me for anything certainly he has in mind that i'm going to take a different course and that he has something so special for me uh, as i'm following that different course and sure enough so now i found myself on campus yes i'm going back to where where you wanted me to be be patient Uh, be patient that's what god says to us sometimes yes yes, yes, he uses uh you think about joseph and daniel who definitely took different paths which they One in prison, one taken yep. into captivity. Yep. And to this day, we're still talking about those two men that God used in a mighty way. Because that, that's who God is. I mean, yes. he, he, he changes your course and puts you on a path so special and so precious 
that nobody could have even foreseen that. That is why it's so important that we just simply trust him. Trust mm -hmm. him mm -hmm. for I like everything that, that trust he does. Him. Yeah. So I'm finding myself on campus. Absolutely. And I've been there for a semester. And uh, I'm standing in the food line uh, at the end of the summer for the second semester, the start of the second semester. And a friend introduces me to Sybil. Uh -huh. uh, the friend's name was Marta was her name. And uh, a casual friend, a nice lady, a nice little friend. And she introduced me to Sybil. And love at first sight my friends oh wow so who fell in love first was uh -huh. it Sybil because she had a special eye for you or was it you that had a special <laughs> eye for her well we think it was a mutual thing that's awesome <laughs> and where where was Sybil from was she was she playing athletics as well well see that is no 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 that's a whole nother story as well she was from Minnesota oh my god she gosh. came to Corpus Christi to study marine biology oh my god she gosh. came from the north I came from the south. Very. And we met in the middle. How you like that? <laughs> where, where in Minnesota is she That's from? I'm for you. Say where that again. Minnesota? Where in Minnesota was she from? She was from uh, a, a place called, um, oh gosh, uh, it is a, 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 a slash Starbucks, close to Alexandria. Let me put that. Okay, there. that's good enough. Close to Alexandria. Okay. Uh, 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 and they lived on the Minnewaska Lake. Uh, on the Minnewaska Lake. So that's and where she was from. She's from Minnesota. Minnesota. And she's in Corpus. But she's, she's. I mean, y'all are both very athletic. I mean, she's. Yes, yes, yes. She, but she she wasn't really looking to pursue athletics that much. Just play a, li a little bit of tennis. And so that ultimately, mm -hmm. I was able also to teach her. And then, she, you know, she became a, a pretty good player. And, and now we have the great pleasure of hitting tennis balls you know, any good morning that there is when there's nothing else going on and we got a workout and uh, we have some time together uninterrupted. We let it only be interrupted by our children and, um, and, 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 and play some tennis, get some exercise and for good health. And I'm still <laughs> teaching some tennis, you see, even as a pastor. So. Uh, yeah. So we'll be praying for her because I think she just had knee surgery, correct? Yes. Full, a total knee replacement, her left knee. So yes, uh, uh, folks out there, if you would just pray for her for uh, a total, uh, uh, you know, Recovery. rehabilitation mm -hmm. and, and and use of, of, of the knee again. Yes. And that was, okay, so y'all met, I'm not gonna ask you what year, but it was in the late 70s, mid 70s? This was, this was 1970. Okay. 1970 Early. when we met. That is when I, I played 1970 The height of disco. Huh? The height of disco. <laughs> the height of... Disco, yes. disco. Yeah. <laughs> now, my, yes. now, listeners, before he goes, I want you now again look at all the game changers in this man's life. Starts off playing tennis, he gets really good at it. He he's on the Davis Cup team. He wants to win Wilmington, Wilmington, and then he he gets knocked out. Yes, game changer. This young man, he's played at, at age fifteen. They become very good friends. He's playing at the University of Corpus. You guys meet again. And you just say out of the blue, "Hey, you guys need anyone?" And he says, "Yes, yes." And so call the coach. Changer number yep. three. Next thing you know, you're three thousand miles coming to Corpus. Yes. So God can continue your journey. Yes. And so many wonderful things. You meet 
your civil. civil. Yes. And then things really start heating because now you're on this tennis team. And your tennis coach team is a believer. Now, what was your coach's name? His name was Bob Mapes. He, he's passed away now. And I had the privilege of doing his funeral, uh, uh, facilitating his funeral. And anyways, that's another long story, but I might say just real quick that another game changer in, in a real way is that because I was able to talk to him before he passed away. And when people are close to, to death, uh, many times people are afraid to talk to them about death. But I had all freedom to talk to my coach and I wanted him to hear some things before he passed away. So I told him, I said, Coachy, I call him Coachy. Uh, Coachy, I just want you to know, you did Jesus really, really well. And I thank I you. I thank God so much for you introducing me to Jesus and Jesus to me. And because we have done a, a wonderful ride together and also together with you, Kochi. And hey, you're going to make it in the presence of, of Jesus in paradise before I will. But uh, you hold a place for me like you usually do. <laughs> that is so awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, how many years did you play at university? Did you play all four? Uh, four, four years. Four years. <laughs> Thank four you. years. I, I did it in, in the way it's supposed to be done in four years, not five or six, but so that was good. <laughs> so you got four years of yes. coaching pouring yes. into you. You're playing tennis. You graduate. And yes. what happens? Okay. So in my freshman year, he asked me if I would work for him uh, during the summer, which I taught in Suriname. I taught a lot because I loved it so much. I want to introduce people to the game, whether they were kids, boys and girls, or whether they were men and women, adults. I, I, so I had regular teaching hours without charging a penny. But I got this all this experience. And so when my coach asked me if I would work for him that summer, because he was not just the college coach, he was also the director of tennis at an HCB tennis center in Corpus Christi, a public tennis center with many mm -hmm. courts. And so I worked for him and it became obvious to him that I had experience because I had been teaching lots of tennis already. And then he asked me if I would go to work for him after I graduate from college. So freshman summer, freshman summer, I have my job already secured for after college. And I told him I'll, I'll work for you for two and a half to two or three years. And ultimately I worked for, for him for two and a half years. Then I got my own head job at another club in Corpus Christi. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And another game changer. Another game changer. And um, and you started, I know that at that point, you and Sybil had a family. Yes. Young kids. Yes. Um, but you, you got very active and very, you spearheaded a lot of the youth tennis programs. Yes. There in Corpus. I mean, you brought, I don't know how big tennis was in Corpus Christi, but I know you took it to the next level, especially where kids were involved in getting kids involved in the UST Tennis Association and putting on camps and um, yes. just hundreds and hundreds of kids that, um, and I know some big name kids came through your camps yes. and. Yes, uh, one of the bigger names was a guy named Steve Denton mm -hmm. who, who later on was number 11 in the world in singles mm -hmm. and as high as number one in doubles. Um, so yeah, and we're still great friends, uh, uh, even, even now. And so he was one of the top 
Mm-hmm. Two or three players ever co- to come out of Texas. Mm-hmm. And of, cor- uh, and of so course, Julie Baron Wells was one of your top students. Of well, course. hello. Right. <laughs> hold, hold the longest practicing record probably ever. Never played one tennis game. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, but I never missed my classes because tennis lessons were not only was an exercise and learning to play tennis, but I got to listen to Kenny and he motivated me to do so many other things. And that was kind of where you took a different turn um, in those years where you started getting into speaking and motivation. Um, I I mean, it was kind of, it was a joke a little bit that if you could motivate me to play tennis, you could do anything. But (laughs) I just, I did confirm that you really are a motivational person. And I, I mean, anyone listening knows that. I, I, I feel like I, I'm a good motivator, but I'm always motiv- motivating people on the basis of, of the scriptures and, and of Christ. Mm-hmm. So I inspire you, but I, I inspire you to ultimately look to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I, I can give you all the motivational talk. And then I say my biggest motivation in my life has always been, not always been since I was born again. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, so here we go, um, Ken. Is that you're again? You're going down this path. You're you're doing all these classes. You got tennis going. You you basically have almost your own tennis center going. So this is the path. So what's the game changer? Where you're saying, okay, nope, I'm I'm God. You're you got another game changer in my life to have me go into the ministry because at this point in time you're going gangbusters. I mean, you, you are well known. You got people wanting to sign up. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking right. life is good. And right. all of a sudden, bam. So all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, I find myself as a, the director of tennis of, at a country club. And then uh, what used to be the University of Corpus Christi after a couple of changes has now become Texas A&M of Corpus Christi. And they started back up a tennis program like they used to have when it was the University of Corpus Christi. In between the name changings there, they they had they didn't have they didn't have athletics. But when it became AM Corpus Christi, they started and they want to play NCAA Division I. I was the first coach hired there. Um, but but you cannot, I was part-time because I was also the coach, the, the, the pro at a country club. Uh-huh. So, right. but you cannot coach division one part-time. Anyways, right. that's, that's where we found ourselves. And then uh, as that was going on, then there was a church where I had preached a couple of times that was losing their pastor. And you know, when people, but a church loses pastor and sometimes people are leaving a little bit and so, and then they asked me if I would become the interim pastor. So what, you got three jobs now? You got- So now I have three to- jobs. Yeah. But you're coaching at the country club, you're coaching Division One, and now someone's asked you to come be the pastor. The interim pastor. Interim so pastor. I went to my church and my pastor, and I asked them during a service one time for their permission and their blessing to become the interim pastor of this church called Walden Road Baptist Church. And so, and they gave me my permission and, and the blessing. I felt like I cannot just go do it. I belong to this body, and mm-hmm. so I need the body needs to not be informed, but they also need to give me permission and blessing. So I went and I thought in six months or so, I'll be back at my church. But when I was there for about two months or so, uh, a precious sister who was from Nigeria, she says, 
in the middle of a service out loud. She says, <laughs> I don't know why we're looking for a pastor. We got our pastor. This was in about February or so. In June, they asked me to stay. In August, they voted me in. And in December, they ordained me. And so I've been there now for almost 18 years. So another game changer, which really caused you have to step out on faith because I'm sure quitting your country club job, quitting the NCAA job and taking on the, the role as a full-time pastor. Yeah, so not full-time pastor. I, I'm, I'm what you call a bivocational pastor. So okay. in other words, they don't pay me a full uh, salary, uh, basically by design, because I didn't want to take all the money of a medium slash small church. Um, I, I, I told them, let me be bivocational. I still teach a little bit. I can supplement my own income that way. And that way we can do some more things with the, the, the money that comes into the church in the way of ministry, for example. So even though we are a fairly small church, we have also an associate pastor that is also bivocational. There you go. Wow. So, okay. you see, this and is a way of, of making things work. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. And, and, and so it, it, it's just been a blessing. And I, I love my church. People say, uh, I, when I tell people, I love my people. But it, not only do I love my people, I love loving them. This is not a difficult thing for me. I just mm -hmm. love them. We have so such how a wonderful, contented, uh, satisfied, uh, a wonderful, loving, and accepting uh, congregation. And how long have you been there? I've been there almost 18 years. Almost 18 years. Almost 18 years. So several game changers that got full circle using tennis. Yes. To get you into the ministry. Yes. To do game changers. They're in the community of Houston, but please no, tell us. Corpus. Yes. Corpus. Yes. Sorry. Please tell us how God is continuing to use you in your other ministries. Well, so <laughs> uh, at, at some point, uh, we, we had a, a conference at the church. Uh, I, I'm, I'm uh, happy and in a, in, a, in, a, in a positive way proud, not in a negative way proud, but in a positive way proud to say that we had a, a cross-denominational uh, a Bible conference, uh, cross denominational and cross everything else. We had uh, a, a, a black preachers, white preachers, Hispanic preachers, you name it. We had Baptists, Methodists, Pentecostals, we had Charismatics, you, you name it. Um, and it was a glorious, glorious conference that uh, when you see pictures, all the pictures are people smiling, people raising their hands, people reaching for somebody else to hug. It was just a glorious because you had these people, Christian folks that usually would go to different churches all in one place now at one, uh, all of a sudden. And there was a lady there, her name was Agnes Mensa from, she, she is from uh, Ghana originally, but now listen Corpus Christi and says, the Lord told me that I should tell you to go with me to Ghana to, bring the love of Jesus to the children of Ghana in vacation Bible school. Mm -hmm. And so I say, well, Agnes, let me pray about that also. So I'll hear from God also. Um, and, and so I prayed about it. But in the meantime, I had already started a, a ministry called the Coning Ministries. 
And I tell people, it sounds a little funny, the Koning Ministries, because of my last name, it sounds so prideful. And I tell people, it was not my pride that I wanted to have my name there. It was that I was looking for a biblical name, but they all seemed to be taken. <laughs> now, before you go on, please yeah. say that name again, slowly. And, and if you have a website, let people know what that website is. Uh, it is the Koning, D-E, K-O-N-I-N-G Ministries, the Koning Ministries. And, and what do you guys do specifically with that ministry? Oh, um, too many things. Uh, let, let me just make it, see if I can make it brief. So we're working, we do ministry in, in the United States of America. We do ministry in my home country of Suriname. We don't do ministry in Ghana because I have Ghanaian ancestry. Okay. And so uh, my Ghanaian name is Kofi, Friday born. And, born. and we do uh, uh, some ministry in Kenya, specifically with the Maasai tribe. And what do and, you guys do there? Is that the where you dig the, the wells? Well, okay. So in Kenya, we have been part of uh, uh, well digging to have water for for specific uh, uh, portions of the tribe, uh, mm -hmm. because otherwise women and children, they walk 15 kilometers just to get water. So we try to drill wells. In, in Kenya, it has proven to be very deep ground to, to get to the water. But now recently we have seen that in North Ghana, there's a lot of poverty over there and, and, and bad water. So we decided that we wanna drill a well over there. And I put that on Facebook and on, my, on your birthday, Facebook or actually Network for Good is the, uh, the name of the, uh, the organization. Yes. They let you at your birthday raise money for a nonprofit organization. So I put the Coding Ministries and put as my goal uh, $5,000 because we estimated that uh, to drill a well in that part of Ghana might cost about five, six, seven thousand dollars. And so, and then we actually raised, and I just got a check last week, we actually raised a little over five thousand dollars. So we have the money now in our hands to 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 drill a well, so to speak. We're not there yet because we're doing a different project next in Ghana, bringing that the global leadership summit in the area where we operate from in a called Shama area. Mm -hmm. They already had it in the capital of Accra, mm -hmm. but the people from Shama are not gonna travel four, years, four, four uh, hours by car to go to Accra and pay the expenses. So we bring it that to them and mm -hmm. it is for them basically free. Mm -hmm. uh, we, 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 we foot the bill in, in partnership. Wow. And I want people so, to realize, I'm sorry, Julie, go ahead. Well. One of the reasons that Kenny is so motivational is because nothing ever holds him back. And there have been some hiccups along the way that you haven't brought up yet. Um, and just because of our friendship over the years, I mean, even going back to when you and Sybil first got married, yes. some of the things that, um, and I, you know, our listeners are all excited about all the good things that happened, but most people out there in the world are thinking about oh, woe is me. This is so terrible. I'm in this situation. And it's refreshing for them to meet people like you, Ken, 
who uh, have things happen to them as well, but it doesn't stop them. And so would you just share some, I mean, off the top of my head, I know three or four that you shared with us the other day that are pretty big hurdles. I mean, just from when you got married, um, getting here, the fire, um, even some of the things I know that your kids had encountered um, when they were traveling, just share with some of our listeners. Um, it's, well, it hasn't it's, all uh, been rosy. Yes, yes, yes. And, and I'm glad that you brought it up because that is where I live because we, 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 in the Christian teaching, there seems to be this feeling or this idea or this belief that if you just have faith and if you just walk righteously, then you won't have difficulty. This is absolutely not true. There is plenty of scriptures. And since I have gone through the difficulty, then you're looking at the scriptures because when I went through this difficulty and I'll specify a little bit and just a little bit, uh, then you're going to the scriptures. You're not asking people, hey, what's going on? I'm going to the scriptures to see what is God saying about this? And God says that in the world, you shall have tribulations. But he says, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. I got you back, baby. I got you. But there is difficulty that comes. And then in the book of Romans, we see in the fifth chapter, we glory in tribulations. So in, in, in the book of John, it says, be of good cheer. And here it says, we glory, the, the, the idea of joy, we glory in tribulations and difficulty, knowing that tribulations work with patience. The tribulations produces in you a staying power. Mm-hmm. And, and, and patience uh, uh, produces uh, experience. And the word for experience is a provenness or tested character. And I was teaching a Sunday school class on, on the fifth chapter of the book of Romans. And we had talked about the word patience, staying power. Christians, they need staying power. They just flee and quit and do this on the spur of a moment, you know, just like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the, we, we should have staying power. And, and to, to do an advertisement, I told the class, but next week we're going to talk about the word experience, meaning uh, a provenness or tested character. But class, you cannot have tested character without test. Mm-hmm. Somebody says, you want to climb the mountain, but you cannot climb a smooth mountain. You'll be sliding down every time. So there's right. edges that you have to climb that help you to, to rise up. And so that started a period of time where we had bought a tennis club with a a few Christian men. And then because of a Christian stand that we took, ultimately we lost the club. And with a lot of things there, people called me Ayatollah Khomeini, people (laughs) called me a a fanatical Baptist preacher. They called me all kinds of names and ultimately we lost the club with, with which comes a lot of financial setback, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And mm-hmm. all the ripple effect that comes with financial setback. But Satan didn't have his way uh, because God was going to get his way. Amen. And so when <laughs> Satan tries to destroy a marriage uh, because of finances and, and, and the ripple effect of finances, no, boom, God cemented us even in a stronger way. Mm. And, and we have a joyful, wonderful, growing, fabulous, wonderful, triumphant, victorious marriage uh, full of joy. And we do actually even now marriage seminars, right. you know, you from the book, book. One, plus one equals one. Right. Um, Say and that then, again. Tell about your book again. One plus one equals one. The number one in yellow 
plus, which is a cross, yes. the number one in blue yes. equals the letters one, O and E in green, because blue and, and, and yellow make together, they turn into green. So we are not just a blue one and a yellow one put together. We have become a new unit, a green one with a new identity of bigger and better and together. Yes. 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 And, and so, so all that, when I look to the scriptures to see that God was doing not something to me, that he was punishing me in some way. He was maybe disciplining me, but discipline and punishment are two different things. You know, uh, I tell people, God doesn't punish his people. The punishment was taken by Jesus Christ on the cross 2000 years ago. Punishment is basically to satisfy justice, right? Somebody has done wrong to satisfy justice, your punishment. That's what Jesus has done for us on the cross 2000 years ago. So, but God disciplines people and the purpose for discipline is completely different. The, 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 the purpose for discipline is for maturity sake. So in other words, he wants to grow you and make you stronger and make you a better, more solid, steadfast, unshakable Christian. That's what he wants you to be. Well, and, here's the thing I want people to realize that, you know, it says in John 6, 30, John 6, 35, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Yes. And I want you guys to realize that during these game changers in his life, he received the the living water. Yes. And then in turn, now Ken is digging wells over in Africa, giving water to people. That is a game changer. That's something we take for granted. We can go in, we can turn on the faucet, and I got water running all day. Yeah. You know, having to walk 15 kilometers one way just for water and not even clean water. And so I, I, I think that yeah. to me is a ultimate, such a huge game changer that you took this living water and now yeah. you're passing on the people around the country, especially over in Africa, where if you ever go to Africa, you will. See, I mean, that's something that I take for granted. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, yes. I waste more water than probably drinking a day. <laughs> you know, Jesus, you know, talking about another verse as well, Jesus says, uh, uh, those who believe in me, as the scriptures have said, out of their bellies shall flow rivers of living water. Rivers. <laughs> right. You know, rivers. So, uh, you know when, you see, when you drill that well and you see that water coming and you see the joy on the faces of the people and they come running that we saw in Masai land, we, they, they, they come running and running and dancing and jumping. And for the water that they saw coming from the earth. <laughs> oh my goodness. And that we take for so, like you said, Norris, we take for so for granted. And um, for them, and, and so the water is just shoo, coming like this. Rivers of living water come out of the believers' bellies so that when somebody has an, an empty cup, let me I can I tell just one story real quick. Please we, we, have a, we have a brand new um, shower head and it leaks a little bit. It drips at the, it, it drip, drip, drip. So my wife didn't want the drip to drip on the tile in the shower. So we put a little pail underneath it uh, overnight. And then overnight, it was just a little bit of water in that pail. And I just dripped, drop, drop, 
drop, drop. But no, the rivers of living water, they don't go like that. When right. somebody has an empty cup, you just, you just dip it in that river, baby, and you have a full cup enough to fill somebody else's cup and overflow their cup as well. You, you see, uh, 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 so we, we, we're not that shower head that goes drip, drip. Out of our belly should flow rivers of living water. And we hope that this program will fill the cups of many people that listen to it and give them the opportunity to also fill other people's cup of the overflow. Absolutely. Hallelujah. And I want to thank you for just continuing to be a, a game changer in, in where you are in, in Corpus and that community and around the world with your ministry, with the marriage ministry that you're doing, continually being that game changer. And that's what God wants us to do. He doesn't ask us to do it by ourselves. See, we, we got to walk in the spirit and you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh, Galatians yes. 16, but we are empowered to do work for the kingdom. And what's so great about this thing is that God's using Ken to be a game changer, but he doesn't do it on his own. And, and he gets rewards when he gets to heaven to cast back at the feet of Jesus. That is so, to me, that is just so powerful that God, you're going to empower me to do stuff for you. And then I'm going to get rewards that I cast back at your feet. He says, yes, Norris, be a game changer. It's worth it. Yes. I, I just wish that you had a picture and put it on your website. And when these kids get that water, again, I just cannot tell you because water, I mean, you cannot even live. I think it's past three days without water. I mean, yeah, you right, have to right, have right. it. <clears throat> right. And then the water that they have in this particular place that we're talking about is just dirty and Very, sick water that is yeah. man and beast get sick of it. So we want to bring water for Deep man water. and beast mm -hmm. that, that, that be healthy and good water. And, and, and we feel that the doors will open even wider for, uh, for the gospel. Mm -hmm. yes yeah so, how many people are in that village well it, it's a village so there'll be probably two or three thousand people oh my but God. we 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 want to we, we're going to check and see how this well works and it being five thousand dollars we feel like if it works we're going to drill more wells mm -hmm. we're going to no, no question about it yes and and some a couple of your other ministries i you're doing so many things and always have um and your your kids have all followed in your footsteps right <laughs> yes my two sons they they are both pastors of the at the same church in in san antonio mm -hmm. uh, called uh, uh crossway bible church mm -hmm. uh, and uh the older one is the senior pastor and the younger one, the older one, Joshua, the senior pastor, the younger one, Nate, is the counseling pastor. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then our, our daughter, uh, her husband her husband is now in between, but recently has been the associate pastor for First Baptist Church in Tulsa. Mm -hmm. so he's also a minister. So mm -hmm. the, the, the Lord is good. Mm -hmm. And Lord she was, good. I just remember when she was working at the embassy. Yes, in, in Moscow. Yeah. Yes. Yes, as was the middle son, mm -hmm. uh, he, he went there first to help build the new embassy, the old mm -hmm. one was full of bugs. And, um, and then Micah wanted to follow him because she felt like that she wanted to get to know her brother mm -hmm. in a deeper way. 
Right. And then Nate went there and then he met, um, he met uh, Amanda from uh, uh, Woodland Park, Colorado. Mm -hmm. So I tell people, hey, don't worry. Don't, you don't have to <laughs> rush about a spouse. Hey, God can find you in Moscow, Russia and bring right. you a spouse, okay? That's <laughs> so right. You from Corpus Christi and her from Woodland Park, Colorado and meet in Moscow, Russia. <laughs> Listeners, please hear what I'm saying to you today is that we have a God who is sovereign. And just because things don't turn out the way you want them to or the way you think they should, God is the game changer. And he has our lives planned out and his plan is the best. And just a short tag on to what Brother Ken was saying. I mean, there were so many things that I wanted to do that God said no to. And I'm so thankful, thankful now because he had much bigger plan, kingdom plans. I was thinking about Amen. Norris's plan from playing professional yeah. football and getting all the money that you wanted. Yes. And and I truly believe if I would have played, I would have not become a Christian because my God was money. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. And God had a different plan. He had to push the reset button to yeah. do game changes. So do not be discouraged if you are not where you think you should be. Yes. You need to turn to God and say, God, where do you want me to be? Because I can assure you that, Ken, you're going to have some crowns to cast back at the feet of Jesus. Because wow. you're, you're being that game changer and you're, you know, I'm just think about those two to 3,000 people in that village. Yes. You're going to get water. Yes. That, yes. my friend, is a game changer. Yes, that is a game changer. That is a yeah. game changer. Even when you reconcile marriages, because the family is the foundation of our society. Yes. And so even when you bring ministry there and you reconcile and you hold those families together because satan loves to destroy the family yep that's his big so that's another game changer yeah where you mend these families and they get back into where god wants them so he can use them so mm -hmm. yep. I, I really really appreciate you and what you're doing and really appreciate you teaching Julie how to play tennis. I know that was a, <laughs> I, I, that, that was a ministry in itself. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just want to add, it wasn't just the tennis. I, I can't think of any time in my life since I'd known Ken um, with, without ever asking or uh, even telling him everything that was going on that I didn't get a phone call. Hey, Julie, how you doing? I, I mean, when, when my life has been in some really bad places, just out of the blue, I'll get a phone call or a text from Kenny. And that has happened now for the last 25 years. And the timing is always God's timing. And uh, praise the Lord. You know, people I've, I've had people just recently saying, you know, gosh, you stay so positive and uh, your inspiration just for the things that have happened in my life. And I'm loving this show because I'm getting to expose other people to the people who keep me going and who continue yes. to inspire and teach me because I'm, I'm, I don't do all that you guys do. I listen to what y'all have to say. So if it's wrong, I got to blame y'all. Well, <laughs> before we sign off, will you please again, tell us your ministry and, and the ministry that you're doing is that, Kim, how do we donate to di uh, digging more wells 
So please tell us about that in your marriage ministry before we let you go. Donate, donating uh, a, a, a good way. If, if, if this is an international situation, you, you might do PayPal or, or send a check to the Koning Ministries in, in Corpus Christi, which would be 5009 Bromley, B-R-O-M-L-E-Y Drive. Corpus Christi, Texas, 78413. That is the best way of doing it uh, besides maybe PayPal. But PayPal always takes a little bit out of it that we feel like if we add it all up that we can give even more to, uh, to folks in Africa, in America, in Suriname, you name it. Um, in your book, how do we get your book? The, the book, one plus one equals one. Um, if there is anybody that needs a book and says, you know, we, we say a, a, a donation, a suggested donation of $15. But if somebody says, you know, I, I don't have a penny, but I would like a book, you, all they have to do is send their address and we'll send them a book, we'll mail them a book. Yes. One plus one equals one. And it's about marriage. And the thing about it is you don't have to read for 20 minutes to get something out of it. Five minutes, the chapters are short and very practical. And then we have a prayer at the end and an assignment that goes along with that chapter for husband and wife. And then my wife, Sybil, she wrote a portion of that as well. And uh, particularly for, for the women, so to speak, and uh, very wise words that she writes. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, God is so good, and all the uh, time. And I, I, I want people. I want to encourage people to really support your program because it is, it is, a, it will be a game changer for them. Wow, Norris, that was something else. I just loved the message that Kenda Coning had for all of our listeners, and I'm super excited. Um, that we got to have him on the show, even though this is our second season, it is something else to know that we just have one more episode for the whole season. Yes, just one more episode, but I wanna just dovetail off what you said about Ken DeConing. Ken DeConing, he is a, a man full of enthusiasm. And when you, as you listen to his story, just God's providence in his life, how he gets from way over on the other side of the earth to Corpus Christi, Texas. I say crispy like crispy donuts. Of course, <laughs> Corpus Christi. It, it, it's hardly <laughs> ever crispy in Corpus Christi with all that humidity. But Ken, absolutely fabulous. I would encourage you to, as you listen to this, see how you can be a game changer because his this is just an ordinary, ordinary man in a small city changing the world one person at a time. That's and right. And I think that's what's awesome. That's what makes our show, our, one of the, the things that makes our show special. It's just ordinary people most of the time. It is. The, well, they're all ordinary people. It's just the different ways that God has used people in different settings and with different opportunities. And, you know, sometimes I think people imagine that these people that have done all these great things um, had some sort of a, a VIP pass to get there. And I love our show because we are able to introduce them to people who have done extraordinary things 
and maybe they have become famous in some way or another. But when you listen to them talk, you realize that they are just like everyone else and that they have just maybe had a different trajectory, as you love to say. Yes, and as we close out with Ken, we are closing on our last, not our last, but our ending to our second season. And our guest, Donnie Shell, what an incredible story he has. For all you people out there who are football historians, you know Donnie as being a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers, four-time Super Bowl champion, All-Pro, and then just now was inducted into the Football Hall of Fame last year. But he has an amazing story. Again, we see God's sovereignty in this man's life, being a game changer. First, God changed his life, and then he continues today to be a game changer. I know. I'm excited to get to meet this exciting and um, very enthusiastic and inspiring person. And Norris, I will be looking forward to our next meeting. Yes. And uh, thanks all of our listeners out there. Y'all be some game changers. Yes. Thank you for you guys. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast as we are trying to reach people for the Lord and just seeing people go out and, and be kind human beings and reaching our potential to go out and be game changers. It just takes one person that you can change a person's life and send that and put those seeds of encouragement in their lives. And I just want to thank Julie Baron Wells once again. I know that she has been a great encouragement in my life all throughout high school uh, from Seeing Footloose to driving a red Honda, teaching how to drive a stick, brakes, Julie, brakes. You got to put the brakes on going around a curve. <laughs> but here we are. We made it. And and I just thank you, Julie. And I want to thank also Hannah and Monroe Bell because they make this show easy. But again, guys, go out and be game changers. Don't wait because it, it's never too late. Go be a game changer today. Don't miss an episode of the Game Changer podcast with Norris and Julie. Follow or subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening currently. The Game Changer podcast is produced by Hannah and Monroe Bell with music by DJ Overflow and graphics by Andre Harrell. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to you joining us again for our next great conversation. God bless.